you're not really getting anything useful from that content. You're just seeing an achievement, but there's nothing much usually that you can take from that. Today on the show, Christopher Bell. Chris is an academic and trainer who completed a master's degree in public health nutrition and is currently finishing a PhD looking at exercise motivation and the impact of fitness, social media on men's body image. Is what I'm looking at making me feel better or is it making me feel worse? Am I getting anything useful? Why they're so dangerous if you don't know how to use them. Comparison is a whole other issue. I have been in really a dark places when it comes to social media and how to use them in a beneficial way to support your exercise plans. The time to use social media is when you've got a little bit of cognitive energy. Yeah, when you just want something easy, you're right. That will probably take you into a place that's not good for you. Yeah, in the evening when all your discipline of the day goes out of the window and you binge watch on social media. It's a good question what social media is going to be because as you mentioned, it all started with Facebook, which had a very different dynamic than, for example, TikTok has. Uh, yes. And there is no black and white, but you could say it's going to continue going down that rabbit hole where TikTok is currently leading us. Ultra short attention. You don't follow your social circle, but basically the algorithm tells you what you consume. Maybe, and that's my hope, is that in 10 years time from now, when my daughter is at the age where she's going to consume social media, either people will have woken up to the detrimental effects of a lot of the social media usage, and therefore there might be some, I'm not sure whether I want to promote regulation, but there, there might be some societal pressure and change something around social media, or maybe even the companies themselves have found a different type of social media that gets them advertising dollar and makes people happy. Because right now, unfortunately, that's a conflict. Advertising dollar means you want to have as many eyes as possible for as long as possible on the platform. But that's something that is mostly contradicting individual happiness. It can do, yeah. It is a double-edged sword because you can't say it's bad or, or it's good, really. It can be both. It depends on how you use it. Like you say, the algorithm is just wants to have your eyes on the screen for as long as possible. And the thing is often the thing that does that is things that generate an emotional response. So like shock, or, but it could be something positive, couldn't it? And it could be humor as well, or, and we'll probably get into it, bodies as well, something that is attractive or that makes you, your eyes linger on it. But of course, social media can be used for all kinds of, it can be educational, it can be used to keep up with friends. The social side of it is, it can be a, a good thing that it, it can help to maintain relationships that you wouldn't do otherwise. So it, it's, I almost would, don't, don't like, to just say, oh, it's all bad. And there is bad elements to it, but social media, you can use it and it can be a positive thing as well. I can see that. And we will get into some of the different aspects. At the same time, I believe that social media on average is a huge net negative for happiness in the world because human brains are wired to compare themselves and everything is relative. And with social media, I can compare myself all day long. And to make things worse, two things. First, I compare my normal day with other people's best days out there because that's what they post about. They don't post about their worst days and the boring days. I think, hey, why is my life so much worse than theirs because I'm having my normal regular day? And secondly, the, the social circle I compare myself to is so much wider. It's now the whole world, not my neighbors anymore. When I grew up, I thought people with a new BMW were rich and now it's at least a net worth of 100 million and a private jet. 
social yeah, media yeah. is for me it's comparison on steroids leading to anxiety on steroids yes okay so yeah you're, you're right and in, in a few ways of course there that we, we were made to we would normally compare ourselves to those in our immediate group our family and our friends and social media blurs the line between that because you're scrolling on social media and you will see your brother or your sister and then you will see a celebrity right next to each other and it it almost makes that seem more achievable and more like what you should have because it's in there mixed in with yourself and your friends in your immediate circles that's true obviously you've got the fact that things are edited and filtered and every portrayal is curated as you said you just share what you want to portray and it's a best self whether be that an image or what you're doing or an achievement and then we're comparing our normal lives to someone else's successes and so it does drive comparison. That's true. But comparison is a whole other issue. If you're more secure in your sense of self to begin with on something, you will compare less. Now, social media will drive that, but there's got to be to an extent that insecurity to some extent in the first place that then social media takes that and, and runs with it, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But how many people are in this secure developed space where they don't react to comparison it's very rare for people to to be like that even myself yes it's a bit of a spectrum though yes so very few people won't be like that at all yeah it's a spectrum from comparing a little bit and then it not affecting your day to it it causing huge amounts of anxiety yes that's true yeah and so maybe last point on this topic because i really don't want to make this too much of an opinionated show but because i am putting so much thought into social media not just also because of business reasons we use social media advertising a lot but also personally even though i'm extremely aware of this social media dynamics i have been in really uh, dark places when it comes to social media. I think I've already talked about this once, but I had been in quite a lot of entrepreneurial circles and and following other entrepreneurs. So basically, my feed was, was populated a lot by entrepreneurial content. And that let me down a rabbit hole because every post was about, hey, the next great success story, the next big funding round, the next huge valuation, the next whatever big achievement nobody talking about all the difficulties and hustles of entrepreneurial life and that lets went so far that when somebody that i know quite well and a person who's hugely intelligent extremely dedicated very good person became very successful much more successful than i am although we started somewhat on a relatively same level i felt very envious in a negative way about that person. And I just thought, hey, even though I'm aware of all of these dynamics, if that's the feeling that I develop because of social media, you know, what are all the things that people don't even really notice, but that slowly seek into their brains and cloud their perspectives around life and how happy they should be? Because even the richest person in the world 200 years ago wouldn't have had a tenth of the general life quality that we have with all the medicine and with all the entertainment and with the travel possibilities and with the healthcare and all of these kind of things. But still, even though we have this type of life, we're, we, even though 
everyone in the Western country has a better life than the richest person 200 years ago on, on these factors, you feel much less satisfied and much, much less happy because it's relative. It's comparison. Yes, yes, you're right. And so well, there's a few things I was thinking there. You're right. And acceptance is an important thing that a lot of us struggle with, especially when you're shown th things that are maybe better on, on some certain level. I was just thinking there. And also with comparison, the problem with comparison is that it will never be satisfying in the long term because you will always find somebody who is higher or lower on, on any metric, on wealth, on looks, on how fit they are and how intelligent they are. If you have a core belief that I'm not good enough at something, you will be able to find examples of people who are better. And likewise, if you, you can work the other way around, you'll always be able to find people who are worse as well. And so in the moment, it will confirm a belief, but then that doesn't do anything to satisfy you deeper down, does it? And then it just happens again and again. And you're right, so social media, it provides a very salient place for that. The other thing I was thinking, was when you were talking about you were following, for example, a lot of entrepreneurial people, but all that they were posting about was successes. And I've looked at this more in the fitness context of people looking at fit individuals in order to try and motivate them or inspire them. And generally what is that it doesn't really do anything in terms of motivation. It just leads to them feeling worse about themselves. And especially on platforms like a TikTok or a, an Instagram, where there's not a lot of content, it's very short, it's just an image you're not really getting anything useful from that content. You're just seeing an achievement, but there's nothing much usually that you can take from that. So, whereas listening to a podcast, for example, or something, there's probably going to be some information that you could use there that can help you in that. But just seeing someone who's just sealed a business deal or who's got a great six pack, this doesn't do anything to help you other than potentially make you envious. Yeah. In the best way, it could motivate me and I could gain some knowledge or insights from whatever those people are posting. But the issue is that it could also be a very negative way of motivation. Okay, there's always somebody who's so much better and stronger and leaner and faster and better looking than I. And then the information that those people put out, even if they are of high quality, they're obviously not personalized to you. So you have to be very careful about whether that information is applicable to you. And, and in very many instances, that information is not really good, independent from the personalization, because it's more there to make money. It's more there to make headlines. It's blurred by individual beliefs. It's, there's this very interesting phenomenon that when you ask successful people how they became successful, they think about their current habits that they have once they were already successful and they start preaching about so for example in the entrepreneurial life about work-life balance and how you need to find time to reflect and go offline for weeks and these kind of things but they ignore that the, these were not the habits that on the behaviors that brought them to that initial level of success. So where I'm getting at is that especially when individual people coach or share based on their individual experiences and are very opinionated around them, there's a very high likelihood that there is a very big sign that screams bias all over the place. Yeah. And as you said, there's massive individual difference in all of us. In terms of our genetic capabilities, our environments, our upbringings, our family, work, life situations, you can never take somebody else's 
what they've done and apply it exactly to yourself, it's it's not going to work. Like you say, sometimes you can take certain parts of it. And then that's also where the comparison falls down because you're comparing apples with oranges always. You're never comparing this, the same thing. So it's not it's never fair, the comparison. Yeah. Chris, you are researching the impact of social media on body image. And leading into the question, I would like to share three data points that show how different the impact can be of social media on a person, not necessarily now to body image. Number one, 91% of UK and US adolescents use social media and over 50% of those check their accounts at least once per hour. Number two, a study found that of the teens who reported suicidal thoughts, 13% of those in Britain traced the desire to harm themselves to social media. At the same time, a study from Harvard School of Public Health indicates that routine social media use, such as using it as part of everyday's activities, responding to shared content, is positively associated with social well-being, positive mental health, self-rated health, suggesting that mindful routines and social media engagement can have a beneficial impact on health and well-being. From the experience that you have and your research, how does social media impact body image? Where can it be helpful? Where is it detrimental? So one thing that you that I thought of there straight away from the there's some dichotomy in research looking at active social media use and passive social media use. So active social media use is the social aspect, messaging people, inter, anything where you're interacting with other people. And broadly speaking, that is where most of the positive sides of social media come from. And I'm, I'm sure you'll have this experience, and, and I have. It's been a way that has allowed me to stay in touch with people when I've moved to different parts of the country and, or stay in touch with old friends I was at school with and things like that. And that's definitely a, a, a positive of social media, the social side of it. Then the, the, the passive use where you're just, especially is if you're doing it in a... An, a way that you're not aware, it's not intentional. That's where it can become, become problematic, where you're just absorbing whatever. Of course, it depends what it is that you're seeing as well. Social media, on one hand, you have autonomy over social media that we don't have over traditional media. Historically, a magazine or back when there was just a few channels on the television, you just had to be exposed to what there was. You didn't have a choice. Now on social media, it's a, a double-edged sword because you do have a choice over what you follow, but of course, social media is also trying to actively, it, it's learning what you like or learn, or rather it's learning what you spend time looking at. And therefore it's also having an active influence on you, whereas traditional media did not have that effect. If you can be mindful and intentional and, and proactive about your social media use and, and curate feeds to that sorts of information and things that you want to see, often educational things, humor and, and peers, often that can be positive. But yes, if you're exposed to things, a lot of, obviously I've looked at body image, exposure to lots of idealized bodies tends to either have an, a, a neutral effect or a negative effect. It's not gonna have, it's not gonna have a positive effect on your body image. But, and this, different people will react in different ways. You can show, I did research showing people images and getting their feedback. And you can show the same image to 10 people and you get 10 different responses. 
So part of it comes into whether you're already coming at this with a sense of insecurity. And then if you're exposed to that, social media is probably only going to make that worse. But of course, if it's it brings it into conscious awareness as well. Maybe people who aren't already particularly concerned with their body, but then they start seeing idealized bodies on social media a lot. And it becomes something where you think, oh, hang on, I, I don't look like this and I need to. There's this external pressure that comes from it that, that can be can be problematic as well. Yeah. When you talk about the negative impact of so, of social media on body image, what do you mean with that? Is it an over-exaggerated expectation towards your body? So that means that you feel your body is, for lack of a better word, worse than it actually is. Yes. And it's a couple of things. One would be the idea that certain body types are normalized as well, particularly if you're within a fitness environment and, and you're looking at that sort of content on social media. It doesn't even have to be fitness. If I look at my partner when she's on Instagram and it's fashion models, all of them, it makes the idea that's normal. And that, that rather quite extreme body in a lot of cases, and you'll know from looking at male fitness social media, very lean, six-pack abs, very muscular men is portrayed as the normal. And so that discrepancy from that, it, it's portrayed as a normal, but it's also portrayed as the desirable. They're always happy. It often goes along with success. I've predominantly looked at male body image. So the idea that a certain body is not just what it is, it also represents wealth. It probably represents success, probably represents someone who's disciplined, it represents the guy who gets the girl, all these things. And so the further that is away from your own body, you, you feel that there's this gap that I need to close in order to achieve these things. And so it's not the body in itself doesn't, doesn't mean much. It's the attachment of what that body means that often social media pushes that is, is the problem. Yeah, There is so much that is left out when you consume this content and you already noticed that i'm rather critical against social media and i want to say this up front yes if you use it in an intentional way if you curate your feed if you know what you're doing all these kind of things it can be an incredibly helpful tool you you, you can communicate and reach every person in the world with a snip of your fingers so all of these things are very good but that really means it has to be intentional and Obviously, with Freeletics out of the fitness space, we have looked a lot into fitness type of content and, and so on and have also changed a lot the way how we communicate and what we display on social media. Because now taking the example of these six packs, these male bodies, which are extremely lean, extremely muscular, six pack and so on. For one thing is that the importance of having a six pack is really overrated. <laughs> It's very overrated. There, Dr. Tommy Wood, who was on the show a month or two ago, he had such a good thinking about this. I asked him in the end what would he would have wished to know at the age of 20. And he said, man, I would have wished to know that girls really don't care so much about your six pack. You should be somewhat halfway in shape, not so much about the six pack. And if they care so much about this, your six pack, they're likely the wrong girl. So one, is that really a desirable goal? Will your life change change really so much what happens if you have a six-pack and you run around on the beach maybe people will look at you but it's likely the same effect as if you have an expensive car if you sit in an expensive car you hope that the people look at you and find you cool or desirable or whatever but actually what the people think is I would like to have that car too. Nobody cares who's in that car at, at, at that moment. So one is how desirable is something like a six-pack really 
then then obviously it distorts a lot how many six packs are out there. If you follow social media fitness content, everybody has a six pack. And then also, you know, those people who have a six pack, very often they have this six pack 10 days out of the 365 of a year because it's very hard work to keep that six pack, to keep water down, to keep your fat down. So for that photo shoot, they have that six pack and then the other days they, they don't. And also they don't talk about all the negative things of having a six pack. I've gone through diet phases too. We, we know a lot of this from research and focus groups at Freeletics, but it's also very common knowledge. All your hormones go down, your sex drive goes down, your joy in, in life generally your energy goes down if you're such a low body fat yes i know a, a lot of people now will scream oh that's all bullshit and stuff like that i have a six-pack and feel great but just the reality is if you go through calorie restriction and are on a very low body fat for a very long time it's really not nice and for what you give up all your all this happiness and, and enjoy in life to have a six-pack Yes. And a lot of the time to achieve that sort of body requires what would be termed disordered eating, for example, as well. It's often from a health perspective, it's often, not, firstly, there's no need to be that lean, really. To be 5% body fat is not going to be better for your health than being 12% body fat. And the as you've alluded to, the practices that are required for that and that you will maybe have know these people I know at the gym who have those kinds of physiques and then you go a little bit deeper and you find out what's going on for them. Often there's body image issues, there's obsessive behaviors, there's disordered eating, could be steroid diuretic use, all sorts. And that's obviously, again, not what portrayed. And what are the benefits? There's just perceived social benefits, but they're very shallow. And as you said, in terms of a lot of body image is about attracting a partner, it can be, right? And as you've just said, if that's something that someone is placing that much importance on, you're objectifying yourself as well. Is You're making something like your abs or your physical appearance to be one of the most important things about you. And of course, that's not something that's going to sustain a, a relationship over any period of time, for example. yeah. In my experience, having a six-pack kills your game with the women if you're men and attracted to women for so many reasons. But just to put the two main out there and really guys should think about this the one thing is that an intelligent experienced woman will know how much effort and how much time and how much how much unrelaxed you are if you are trying to have and keep a six pack and they most of the women like a relaxed and cool and more going with the flow type of guy at, at least to a certain extent much more than this overly rigid person that's focused on their six-pack and then also if you're a six-pack this and that's not data that i have to prove that's bro science so from a couple of conversations but for many women that's that's oh my god that that guy has a six-pack and i have this half a kilogram maybe of in quote unquote too much on, on the scale and that does not feel good for those women they get overly conscious about their body and that's also a big turn turn off uh, i might have been politically incorrect in a couple of things that i've said here but really if you're trying to have a six-pack to get laid rethink that again <laughs> No, well, you're right. I nowadays certainly for being in this world, as soon as I if I see people in the gym who are in very lean, very muscular shape, be them a man or a woman, my my first thought now really is 
there's probably some degree of body image problems going on and there's some obsessive exercise and very rigid eating behaviors. And you're right, a lot of people will know this. If you see an extreme body type, of course, that's a reflection of an extreme lifestyle. And for most people, that's just not something that they would want, you'd, you'd want to get involved with. Yes, and interesting that you mentioned as well that having a, a quite extreme body type with a partner often will in, increase their insecurity with their own body because they're making a, a comparison with yourself. Yes, I completely agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> Striving for a six-pack, not really, not even a good strategy for what you think it's for, never mind the fact that it's detrimental to a lot of other things in your life. Well, and they're happy, though. Good for them, of course. <laughs> yeah, so there are those cases, and it's definitely possible where yeah. you have a six-pack, but not because you were aiming necessarily to get a six-pack, but because you enjoy exercising, you really get into the habit of eating healthy, you like to play sports, you, you love your, the time in, in the gym, and you are not so much into sweets and booze and all of these kind of things. So there are these combinations where where you have that in a more natural, less stressful, less controlled way, but they are rare. I have no idea what the percentage is, but I would be surprised if that's more than 30% of the people who do have a six-pack. Yes, yeah. And funny, something you were talking there made me think of something that we, we were going to get into with regards to the motivation, I think, that a six-pack is a byproduct of other motivations, that you enjoy the exercise, it's good for your health, you eat well because it's just part of your lifestyle. The six-pack is a byproduct, and that's going to be a more successful package for exercise than If you're doing it for the six-pack, it's a very external goal that ultimately, and, and that didn't come from within you. Why would you want a six-pack? You weren't born wanting a six-pack. This is because of the idea that you, you've internalized these social messages. That's something that's desirable that I should have. And that alone is not going to be the sort of motivation that's going to sustain you. It is understandable that content creators, influencers, that they have a six-pack or some other type of extreme body form Because if you don't have that and you're on a platform that mostly goes based on the visuals, why would anyone click on your content, follow you? So it makes sense. It comes back again to the incentives. What's been incentivized through, through, through social media reach and your followings incentivized through the dollars that follow afterwards. But that's a business. Then you, that, if you say, hey, having a six pack is a business, as like other people who work eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours on a job, I'm working six hours a day on my six pack with all the nutrition and all the training and all that stuff that's coming into it. But that's a very different thing. That's a very different thing if you say, hey, okay, it's I'm doing that mostly for a living and therefore it is important to me. If you want to go out and say, hey, I want to enjoy my life and have fun and obviously be somewhat fit and, and so on, but have an overall balance, then that goal, if that's the actual goal, that's likely going to be contradicting your overall happiness and life flow. Yes. Yes. I suppose the only thing I would say is that if that is Given what we're talking about and the way we're talking about it, to what extent are you maybe questioning the ethics of your job that you're doing something like that? Are you having a net positive on the world? That's a different question, of course. But is it, even then, would we still condone the idea that's something they should be really striving for? I, I don't know. It's a little bit the issue is that people want it. People want a lot of things that don't make them happy. You, you look at that. 
it doesn't make you happy. It also doesn't make you happy to strive for the next promotion and to want to have a nicer car than your neighbor and to make more money next year than last year. Everything above a certain minimum income level. But above that level, this striving for something, wanting something is more or less a path towards feeling miserable because there's always the next goal that you want to achieve in it. But that's unfortunately just how most of the humans or we generally are wired and only some of us really get out of this rat race. And it's the same thing on social media. I also click on the extreme body images and so on. And that is what is being measured. And that is what is what gives those influencers the dollars, the money. And if the system works like that, you cannot really be mad at them that they work in that system. Yes. I think that there's definitely, there's an... In- a sort of innate human desire for growth and to just improve and get better and to satisfy what they call competence. And I think that can be a positive thing. But if it's hijacked by societal pressures, that's when you start feeling controlled, right? Because I think it's natural to want to get better at something. But to for that particular thing to be an extreme body type or if it involves extreme wealth or that's probably where this idea for competence and growth has been hijacked by societal expectations and social comparisons and things like that. And I suppose it's thinking, yes, what do I value? What's important to me? And does that align with it? Which we don't always do. Yeah. What are practical tips, how we can use social media to create some benefit for us when it comes to my health and fitness journey or the way how I look about my body or how satisfied I am with my body? I would say using it intentionally, which is something you've brought up and I have as well, is very important. Just be mindful and being cognitively aware of what you're doing. Is what I'm looking at making me feel better or is it making me feel worse? Am I getting anything useful? Because there's one thing of just, is it making me feel better or worse? Like I will look at like memes, for example. It's not educational. It's not necessarily enhancing my life in any deep way, but it's funny. And so I'm happy for that to be there. So it doesn't have to, we don't have to make it all education. But if there is, there are things that are educational that can help you that great, that's good too. But if something's just making you feel worse about yourself, you might, again, though, it might be subtle and you might not notice it. You have to be quite cognitively aware of it. Then that's something you want to get rid of. And sometimes it can take a while. You almost have because the algorithm will, will try and bring these things back. And it depends which platform you're using as well. Instagram, I think predominantly your people use it to look at what they follow. I know there is an explore page as well. Something like TikTok is a bit different, isn't it? Because that's predominantly what your eyes have, have have stayed on. So difficult because you, you can try and search for things and, and and look for things that you particularly intentionally want to look at rather than just sitting there and letting whatever it gives you wash over you. Because you're, we can't be that cognitively present all the time or not. We will just stay on something that isn't doing us any good. But in that moment, hedonistically, that's just what we want to see. So yeah, I think it's trying to be intentional with your social media use rather than just using it as, as something completely passive. Yeah. So there seem to be these two big things. One is what you mentioned, being intentional about the social media use, just making sure that you use social media like 
like any other type of media, you select what you want to consume. Once you give that authority to somebody else, to an algorithm, it's not in your control anymore. So reflect what you're consuming and be aware of that the algorithms maximize your time spent on the platform. And typically, the what maximizes your time spent on the platform are emotional peaks. Everything that really enrages you or everything that gives you a big bang of guilt or a big bang of envy or yeah it could also be humor or or insight but typically the more negative emotions they keep they rally really up and you give that attention on the platform the algorithm learns that so be aware of how the algorithms work and also just general i personally am a very big fan of limiting your social media you the time extremely because independent from what content you consume there are certain biological processes that make it very likely that you will still feel bad after using social media because there's a concept and professor lemke explained it like a seesaw in your brain so there's a region in your brain and in that region joy and pain are being perceived and managed and so that seesaw that tries to always keep a balance between joy and pain so if you browse on social media every time you look at a new piece of content you have a small dopamine hit there's something new there's something entertainment there's something that drives emotion it it creates dopamine so your dopamine goes up and what your brain but then does is because it wants to keep this balance it releases then chemicals into your blood that try to counter this positive dopamine rush so after that social media consumption you will feel bad because your brain puts weight on the other side of the seesaw that's the same cycle with addiction where if you use an addictive substance your dopamine and you're feeling good goes through the roof and once you're off that substance and your brain regulates into the different side you feel terrible and then you want to use it again and and that, that also works for social media so just being aware of this dynamic which I would put as second point. So you try to limit yeah. your time and be very conscious about what you consume. Yes. Yeah. And the, like you say, the dopamine thing and, and the, the addiction before you said it, that's what sprung to mind for me as well. And also this idea of well-being. If you look at well-being research, they usually define it either as hedonistic being and daimonic well-being. I don't know if you've come across this. And the hedonistic is just the immediate pleasure which is something we're sometimes looking for on social media, something novel or attractive or, yeah, exactly. But as you said, you get the up and then you get the down and it doesn't satisfy at a deeper level. Whereas this eudaimonic being, things of meaning, purpose, which isn't as immediately gratifying, but it is much more psychologically satisfying. And again, this will link through to these sort of internal motivations. Yeah, that, that's ultimately better for us. But when we're tired or when we're hungry or when we're bored, we, we're just we're, we're looking for this immediate gratification, but it's not going to be something that satisfies you for more than a minute. Yeah, in the evening when all your discipline of the day goes out of the window and you binge watch on social media and on sure Yeah, but in those situations, you can still find something hedonistic that isn't going to be damaging necessarily. Even if, you know... You're reading a book, or even if you're just watching a, a t- an interesting TV series or something, but you're right. So in those situations, I would say that is a time to not use social media. The time to use social media is when you've got a little bit of cognitive energy. When you yeah, when you just want something easy, you're right. That will probably take you into a place that's not good for you. Yeah. In part two, we discuss the topic of motivation. What it is, what are better and worse types of motivation to keep up your exercise regimen, how addiction can be used in a helpful way, and very importantly, 
What are the two most powerful strategies to build and keep an exercise habit, even if you fail already many times before? 